All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. Back with the captain and half of his hand, Mr. Yeah. Andy Full. No, no bandage on today. You know, we're doing good. You can kind of see it there, but no bandage, but it's yeah, it, uh, it no worky. No worky. It 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 hurties when it workies. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, and as always, folks, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I have a great couple days off. Hopefully you had the Friday off to you after Thanksgiving and got a nice four-day weekend. Uh, like I, I've seen many folks did and got out either fished or hunted or spent some good time with family. But uh, nonetheless, it was a nice couple days off. Andy, how's your Thanksgiving, man? Oh, it was good. Ate way too much food, felt full for about four days, and got to celebrate the holiday with a bunch of awesome family members. So um, we went to the in-laws for Thanksgiving, went there on Wednesday. On Thursday, we ate, I think, we talked about this last night, we had like four turkeys, like two Mm -hmm. different sweet potato bakes, like five different dessert options. There was like 40 people. It was uh, incredible. And Michael Bradley, yes, we are still shoveling snow. I've snow blowed three times and shoveled twice. So we're doing good. <laughs> Which is crazy because, I mean, as the crow you flies. You have grass but, where you live. Yeah, I can see I, mean, I have snow, but not, I, can, I can see green where, like, you literally go maybe as the crow flies 10 minutes and I'm at Andy's house and it's completely different. Yeah, we have about, we have just under a foot, I would say. That's compacted down to like five inches. But last night when I went to bed, we had about a foot. So, yeah. It's, Dude, it's not bad. Buffalo needs to have like a, there needs to be like a documentary on the freaking weather in Buffalo. Because it's like an anomaly, man. Because it's just it one small string every year that follows the same path. Yeah. It's it, like it, it hovers above the Bill Stadium. And that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, like yesterday, they weren't even forecasting really the snow to sit over Hamburg. And um, sure enough, at like two o'clock, I'm like, it's not supposed to snow here till Wednesday morning. And I can't see the house across the street. Like, great. And then they're like, oh, the band's going to move south. It'll be here briefly. And then seven hours later, it was still sitting over my house, like just <laughs> relentless. So yeah, it was, yeah, so we got we a little bit of the outskirts of it. We uh, I went out. Uh, I was telling you this. People that follow me on social saw it. Like I went out to get a package, and it was cold out. wasn't that windy. Uh, and I come back inside. I went back out because we had uh, had mail come later. Literally thirty minutes later, went out. And it's blowing forty miles an hour. And we already have a couple inches of snow on the ground. I'm like, did the, the the time? Like yeah. thirty minutes later. But, yeah, it's yeah. um. It's wild, like, and those who don't understand what, like, lake effect snow is, it's literally an intense squall line. And if you can think of it as more like a straight line thunderstorm, but it chains off of the lake and just constantly rebuilds and refunnels. So it'll kind of, like, die down when the wind shift a certain way and it'll, it'll sag south or move north. And you can see, like, as the wind gusts pick up, you can see how the snow intensifies if you watch it on the radar and how it, like, comes through, like, in microbursts. And then yesterday we had the fun um, thunder snow. So we had about 40 cracks of thunder and a dozen lightning strikes all in my neighborhood. So that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of something weird, 
I feel like this is that Spider-Man meme where you're like pointing at each other. Like, wait, <laughs> you're me. <laughs> we have Lure Lab in the comments. Not the Lure Lab. We just have somebody with the name of Lure Lab. Well, hello, Lure Lab. Welcome. Hello, to Lure Lab. Yes. Everyone is welcome here. That's, awesome. uh, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, Are you the Lure Lab? Because I am the Lure Lab. Dude, it's totally that Spider-Man <laughs> meme. We're all just like, wait. <laughs> I am you, and you are me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Welcome, yeah. welcome. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, dude, uh, quick shout out to the folks over at the uh, Tackle and Taco podcast yes, that, that were on last night. I don't know what they were thinking, getting you, Deacon, and I on the same show at the same time, yeah. but uh, nonetheless, it was a blast with them. Uh, I encourage you guys to go check that out. Uh, it was a pretty fun episode. It's up on same things you guys will listen to. Any of the Serious Angler Network shows, just uh, Apple or Spotify. Look up Tackle and Taco. Good people, good time. The fact of how laid back it was, it was like we've known them for like 20 years. Like yeah. we just met them and it was like we knew them for 20 years. It was fluid conversation, great topics, and we talked some food and fishing. It was awesome. Well, Andy mostly talked food, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very, don't get this way for no reason all right like <laughs> right that's right uh and so here's something for the folks too for people that uh are avids of the show whether they're watching live or that listen to the mp3 they've noticed in the past few shows i've had severe issues with connection like random spurts i'll just be gone for 10 seconds you can't hear me i lock up so finally got a hold of spectrum to come over to the house today they go and they run through everything like, man, your equipment's great. Like everything's perfect. It's running awesome. But like, we do see what you're talking about. There is an issue and they couldn't figure it out till the very end. They, uh, they realized it's their equipment, not at the house. It's in the, the area that I'm at And my, so them coming over the, the appointment to look at our equipment at our house was the reason they figured out they have an issue in their equipment. on like one of the telephone poles or whatever the thing they use. They call it a, um was that a node or something yeah a node i can't remember the specific i think it's what it was but nonetheless they're out trying to fix it either today or tomorrow so hopefully we don't have that issue going forward anymore and i was sitting there trying to figure out solutions i have a hundred foot uh ethernet cord running all the way up to my router and everything trying to you know avoid those small little glitches but um the light there's light at the end of the tunnel guys (laughs) we're we're almost there uh as much as i talked crap about Spectrum in the past episodes, the guy that came over, super helpful, cool dude. So thank you. And uh, he he saw my fishing tackle room, and uh, he's now going to be a listener of a Sears Anger podcast. Oh, man, that's awesome. I can't tell yeah. you, like, how many service people I've had come over and like, oh, man, I love fishing. They're yeah. Like, <laughs> like, little do you know. <laughs> like, yeah. He, uh, hey, he says he wants to get into steelhead fishing. He doesn't know where to go. And I'm like, oh, I got the guy for you. <laughs> I will take him steelhead fishing for. I'm just your full time advertisement, Andy. Hey, I appreciate it, and I let you borrow my boat. Like you know, that's right. I'll take that as payment anytime. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's awesome. Um, Well, real fast, we have an awesome show. Uh, A guest that uh, is quite frequent on Serious Angler today with Mr. Keith Carson joining us. But so really fast for folks, mark your calendars. Uh, because we are planning, obviously it's only November 28th now, so you got some time, but, um, December 20th, we are going to have, uh, that week we're, we're not going to do two shows. We're gonna have one show on Wednesday night, that 20th, and it's going to be our Christmas special. We'll, we'll have it a little 
quote unquote not so serious, if you will, we'll be laid back. Well, I would say mission talk, but we'll have uh, 8 p.m. Yep, same time as always, and just uh, have some fun and invite a bunch of our friends of the show and uh, have a good time. So, uh, folks that have been around for a while that know what those shows are like, it's going down on the ruckus. Could be have some fun, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, Andy, I think we get on our our guest for today, Mister Keith Carson. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Good, Good, man. Is it warm down there? No, actually, it's not. Today, the high was fifty-seven. And the low was 41, so I'm, like, freezing. Are you in, like, a parka and, like, three pairs of sweatpants and wool socks? Yeah, yeah, I got all that. And then I put my rain suit on as a windbreaker, too. So, you know. (laughs) You're bundled. Yeah. yeah. So, to give you an idea, Keith, what it's like up here in the north, I literally um, snowblowed earlier with no gloves on, sneakers, jeans, and a hoodie. And it's, like... It feels like a real feel of five outside, and it was snowing. I'm surprised you weren't out fishing. I um, uh, I actually went to look at the creek, but it was a little, it was a little frozen. A little frozen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, one time I was fishing a tournament on Lake Wheeler. It, you know, this isn't this is south. I mean, it's you know out in northern Alabama, and uh, the tournament for whatever reason was in uh, late November, and they had a terrible cold front. It was seven degrees with a high of twenty for a few days in a row, and oh. uh, the the creek that I had all my fish in, I actually had to chip through the ice with the boat to get to them. And I, it's funny, I pulled up with my co-angler and I bombed a cast on top of the ice and I reeled my bait across ice the entire way. It never even touched water. And I got <laughs> back to the boat. So I would chip through the ice and break a trail and turn around and fish my trail and I caught the crap out of them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wild. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's crazy. Like, the people talk about the... Uh... Like fishing the ice like you would a grass line this time of year. It's like a legit thing. It's now and also springtime. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm curious about from your opinion, you know, it's funny that you're talking about that bite as the uh, the Floridian of the three of us here. Uh, but do you think that's just like acting like a any other canopy or mat, if you will? It's just they, they sit on it like a break. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And anytime there's something that's like a you know, that creates an edge like that, whether it's a Hyacinth mat in Florida or a ice line and, you know, up north there on Lake Erie, uh, it's the same thing. It's, it's some kind of edge, you know, and it also, it breaks the water surface. So if you got a windy day and it's choppy, you know, you're going to have this ice line where you got wind and chop over here and then it's just straight ice, you know, beyond that line. And so it, it just creates a barrier where, Fish can, you know, get on the edge of something and know that uh, they, they understand their surroundings better, you know, when they're on a line of something. You know, just same, same as us, you know, if you uh, like if you got if you're you know human, you got your back against the wall. Well, then you only have to look at, you know, your three, your three other sides, you, you know, the walls behind you. And it's just just like that. So intriguing. Have you ever gotten on that a bite like that, Andy? So I've been on a bite where we've had to break the ice in the harbor to get out into the lake, but there was no ice around, unfortunately. Mm. Usually, like, once our lakes get ice on them, they all freeze at one time, it seems like. So, like, because we don't have yeah. any, like, natural creek mouths that dump in. Everything is a natural lake. It's mostly round, and the creeks that flow in are dumping into it with, like, gravel 
banks on the mouth of the streams and stuff. So, I mean, no. The short answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, I've gotten a couple times up here, but uh, one thing that's, you guys aren't going to Chickamauga next year, right? Uh, No. Okay. So I can talk about Chick. Um, Kayla Bell, who we had on last week for our Thanksgiving special, he sh- showed me video as proof of this, but has talked about it. Uh, they have on Chick, there's times, you know, years where it, it'll freeze in the backs of creeks and there'll be a creek bend, and he will take an A rig and throw it on top of the ice and drag it right off. So all it does is just fall and they'll yeah. eat it on the fall. And he's like, that's a bite that we get on. I'm like, that's just, that's just dumb. <laughs> I wonder if the A rig is ever frozen to the ice, like cast I mean, up on top and stuck. And you're like, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> I believe it. Probably snag on some ice. <laughs> yeah. When I went in during that tournament, I was talking about it was so cold that I would make a cast. So I'd break the ice and the ice was thin, you know, it was only like a half an inch or so. Um, and I'd break the ice and I'd fish my trail. Well, I was throwing a jerk bait. So I'd fire the jerk bait out. And if I let it sit too long, I'd go to reel and I had nothing. I couldn't even turn the reel. So I'd dip my rod in the water all the way up to the reel and pull my rod out. And I'd beat the ice off the side of the boat because all the guides were frozen. And then I could start reeling and twitching again. And I did that every single cast all day. And I and I caught like 19 pounds. And it was, <laughs> it was pretty. It was, I was, That's a uh, lot of work for a couple bass. Yeah, it really was. It was. It, and it was so funny. My live wells were frozen shut. So I went to go through boat check and I'm idling by and I'm like, guys, I was like, I, it's frozen shut. And she's like, you ain't the first one. It's OK. Just just go ahead. You know, <laughs> so I get out there, I catch a bass and uh, it's like first thing in the morning, I catch one. It's freezing. I can't open my live well. So I take a pair of needle nose pliers and I just stab the perimeter of one of the lids on my Oh. out and then finally got it open you know pump some water in there and stuff it was unreal i was like this is an experience now you know oh yeah <laughs> Good grief. I, when i go to put well when i used to leave my boat outside and i would take it to put it in the way in the winter like and it'd sit out there in like a snowstorm or two and then just the condensation from the humidity even though it's cold out would get in like the carpet cracks and you go to try to open the lids are like son of a gun so i'm sitting out there like pouring hot water on them in yeah. 20 yeah. degree water and get them open so i can take my batteries out i'm just like it's ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to keep them open for all winter because if you shut them they'll be frozen solid all winter and they expand and that's just oh as well yeah because then you could have some fiberglass issues See, we just got a cold front here a couple days ago so my screen door on my house i got like a little latch lock on it and it, all summer, it I can barely get the latch to go in the hole. I got to like pick the door up and get the latch in there. Suddenly it gets cold and it latches just fine. And I'm like, must have installed the door when it was cold out. Yeah, 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 you're right. I think I did. I think I built it last January and put yeah. it on. Yep. Yeah. So all winter, it works. Metal expands and contracts. They yeah. all do. <laughs> That's funny. Well, dude, uh, it's been a minute since we chatted with you, and it's you know you're in the the heat of getting ready for everything next year, and you had a quite the whirlwind of a fall, I would say. You know, being a uh, rookie on the Bass Pro Tour, but what have you been up to, man? Man, you know, I, I uh, shoot, I just finished Lake Lanier, uh, finished up the NPFL season there, and uh, I've really been diving into um, the whole forward facing sonar thing more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the guys using it are just dominating, kicking everybody's butt. And so, uh, you know, going into that tournament, I thought I'm going to use it and whatever happens, happens. If I get a check, great. If not, that's fine. I'm going to learn something. Um, because, you know, one of the things about competition is you can you can fish a particular strategy and practice or for fun, whatever it may be, whether it's spinnerbait or jig or, or whatever or forward facing sonar. But to implement that into a tournament is a whole nother ball game. And to make those decisions quickly under the clock and stuff. And I thought, I'm just going to do it and we'll see what happens. And man, it turned out great. You know, I ended up in sixth place. I got a top 10 and my weights got better every day as I learned how to use forward facing sonar. And I was learning under pressure, which teaches you better than it does in a non-competition mode. And and my weights got better. So now I'm like, man, you know, I, yeah, I, I think. Did. Yeah, I like, I think I <laughs> You know, like, I think I can actually hang with some of those guys that are really good at it. And, uh, you know, so I'm like getting the boat set up. Yeah. So I got a new boat coming next year. I'm going to run a Vexus. I'm going to switch from press. I'm excited. They're great. Aluminum boat. or glass? Aluminum. I'm still going to oh. stay. Aluminum. I like that shallow draft. You know, I always got to keep that option open. You know, I'm a shallow water guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to implement some of this forward facing sonar, you know, and, uh, yeah where it takes me so you got what the 2180 is it the avx 2180 is uh, it's a, a big one yeah it's it's a 2080 but yeah yep and it it's, it takes a 200 and man this thing runs it is a fast boat it really is i am i'm impressed that's cool congrats it, on the new boat thanks man yeah I'm, I'm excited you know it's uh yeah i i like that it's a 200 so it'll save a little gas uh, and stuff, you know, and still, and still run really good. But, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just ready to get it and get everything rigged and just start, start practicing, you know, and get ready for next year. Heck yeah, man. Uh, real backtracking really fast. I mean, you mentioned yeah. that your weights were getting better each day. Right. Was, do you think it was, you were becoming more efficient with what you were doing or you were just finding fish like running new water? What, what do you think the, the variable was there? Okay, so I found fish and I fished one spot the entire tournament. It was, it was, what it was, was it was a creek, like a deep creek channel. It was anywhere from, say, 50 to 90 feet deep. I never, I never fished shallower than 50 feet and I only targeted suspended fish. And the reason that my weights went up was because I, I really didn't know what to throw. To be honest, I, I didn't know exactly what to use with forward facing sonar. There's an array of baits you can use, you know, from, you know, whatever it may be. And I started off, I was throwing swim baits and I was throwing coal shad. And so the Berkeley coal shad, this thing, it gets a tremendous amount of bites. It's, it's really good. But with the spots having a little smaller mouth, my hookup ratio was fair. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I kept moving through baits and moving through baits. And I ended up switching to the Berkeley flat nose minnow and just freaking catching them on that last day. And, you know, had I known, um, you, you know, this is one of those things like, you know, now I know. But had I known, I, I think I really could have caught him. You know, and I don't think I could have won. Patrick Walters won that tournament. He blew it away. But I, yeah, I think I could have done better than sixth. Um, but uh, it's just, you know, I'm just learning it, learning it in real time in a tournament scenario and, and you got to make those decisions quickly, you know, and, and, um, that's one of my big things with fishing is, is having the mindset of, um, 
switching to something that you're like it's like it's like almost stepping into the unknown like you're you're not sure what's going to happen but something may happen if you make that switch and um and doing it in a tournament scenario and man and it's you know it worked out so i'm like oh yeah yeah i think i can do this i think it's honestly when you get more time with that and you can figure out how to morph your that style that you're learning but also what keith carson is at at his core of that shallow game right i think when you can make that into a true hybrid pending you know lake and time of year i think you're going to be pretty damn scary more scary than you are already because you, you you'll be able to like get a feel of both but also be able to like be able to leave it and go do something shallow proficiently where some guys might be just hunkered down stubborn. They won't leave that. Right. Right. And you know, it's funny you say that. Cause so I've had like, you could say a little bit of trepidation towards forward sonar, or, you know, a little bit of, I'm a little bit reserved towards going all in and, and it's not cause I, I don't like it or anything. I think the, the, the technology is excellent. I think it's fascinating. It's, but I'm, I'm, so some of the guys that use it, as I talk to them at the ramp, you know, um, for example, you know, if there's a guy who say his graph goes out or he loses power, this happened at Lake Lanier, for example, and I was talking to a guy who just uses Ford sonar and, and he lost his unit. And he's like, Keith, he's like, I didn't know how to fish. He's like, I honestly mm-hmm. didn't know. I didn't know where to cast without it. And I'm like, really? Like, you can just go hit the bank. He's like, dude, I can't do it. I can't fish without it. And so that has been part of my trepidation where if I go all in on forward facing sonar, which I, and I know I could do it. I'm very interested in it. If, if, uh, if I get too deep into it, you know, would it, would I be, would it be hard for me to go shallow again, you know, and, and, and exactly how to navigate that can be slightly difficult, you know, in yeah. a term of scenario. And so I've been, slowly you could say cautiously you know stepping into it and branching into it more and more but but like i said with a little bit of caution you know i don't want to go all in 100 percent, and then we're you know something happens where i don't know say the fishing game bans it where they're like hey y'all are catching too many fish you know we're gonna we're gonna ban it like we did the alabama rig and then i'm like oh no what do i do you know (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think the guys that are are really good with it right now that you see do well regardless of the lake is you know, guys that are like i'm gonna get proficient with it but i'm also gonna turn it off and go keep my instincts yeah on yeah par. you know where it's uh i've seen a couple guys talk about that where there's days i'll go out and and i'm in the kayak granted and i'm using it and there's days where i leave it at home and i'm like let's go get back into you know keep everything on cue you know what i mean like keep right. everything sharp and i think from from your st- style of things that's gonna benefit you in the long run yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the right way to look at it, you know, to to uh, use it and then also not use it, you know, and just go fish, you know, and keep your instincts as, as sharp as you can. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, 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 I agree completely. Mm-hmm. Like a little side note story here, like on guide trips, sometimes I'll turn it off when I'm on the bow and try to fish with my 2D, like old time sakes when I'm fishing vertically up and down. And I'm like, oh, this is so much fun trying to catch them on 2d every once in a while because you got to figure out like what side they're on the cone like where to drop your bait right. without spinning your trolling motor around it is a whole new puzzling game and i yeah. think a lot of people have gotten away from that point of being able to trust their instincts and figure out what they're reading without forward facing like this is my first full year this last year with it 
and mm-hmm. I learned so much with it, but I still like to catch him without it as well. Yeah. It, and then my neck hurts when I look down all the time. Oh, so. yeah. I know. <laughs> I, and we're all going to be hunchbacks in a few years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. So I've had a lot of fun this fall. I uh, usually throughout the year, I run a Obi Pro Angler, which is like a barge for a kayak. So you could put whatever you want on it. And I went to Morgan Marine, the dealer I work with, and I picked up what they have. It's called a Hobie Eye Track, which is a simple inflatable kayak that you can pedal. And so there's no like mounting, nothing. And all I would t- all last like four or five trips, all I've taken with me is a spinnerbait and a jig. And I've had so much fun this fall, <laughs> just wow. not forgetting about it. Like saying, you know, there's probably fish out there. Yeah. There's probably a school crappie I can go catch and have great dinner, but screw that. I'm going to go down this whole timber line that's on the bank and have some fun. Yeah. Just have fun casting. And, you know, and, the, and there's also like a little bit of element of fun in like when you're fishing shallow, making that precise cast where, you know, you got like a six inch by six inch or full one foot by one foot window yeah. to bait. And if you don't, you're going to get hung up really bad. And, and even if you don't get a bite, it's still fun. It's like, ah, oh, I hit my cast, you know, I hit my mark, you know, and that, and part of that feels good too. And so, yeah, yeah I like that, which, which, Hey, I actually do that with forward sonar. I, uh, yeah, I practice my distances to the foot up to 80 feet. And so like, I I've gotten to where I can hit my number within a three foot range, almost a hundred percent of the time. And, uh, and that's nice. So like, I'll see a fish, you know, say it's, 10 feet deep but 61 feet out i'll hit it from 60 to 62 feet like almost every time and so like that feels good i'm like oh it's right on them you know you'll see them on it and they don't always bite but still you know at least you know you presented the bait as best as you could you know yeah yeah the mechanical side of things like uh i've been out with whether it's andy or buddy forrest my fish with a bunch and like, I'm like, you know, we might not be catching anything, but like skipping this jig under trees and stuff, it's certainly a satisfying way to fish because it's just, yeah. it, it's just appeal, like aesthetically pleasing to the eyes. Oh, yeah. But flipping grass, burning a chatterbait, like, I think that's one of the reasons why I've become more of like a largemouth fishing fan the past like couple months this past year. Cause I'm like, so tired of looking down. Like, I just want to, cause you're sitting there up. with a spinner, spinner rod just holding it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, I want to go like pick up pick up a seven foot heavy flipping stick with some braid and go to war. Like I'm tired yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Or are you going to do it all year long? Yeah, please. I mean, we yeah. can do it all year long here too, just depending on what lake we're on. So that's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to get to some more winter shallow water fishing here in a little bit, but I'm kind of curious from your standpoint, you know, a lot of, a lot of changes have, come the way towards major league fishing and bass pro tour things for this year things for next year right. uh and i gotta say out of it, it it what is your mindset at where are you standing like when you look forward to 2024 being that as a rookie the odds are stacked against you yeah i mean that's a great question you know so so, you know, for, for maybe for the listeners who don't know, so I, I just qualified for the Bass Pro Tour as a rookie and going into it. So they've had a set of rule changes. I guess I'll explain, you know, they've had a set of rule changes and they're going to cut to the top 50. So there's 80 guys in the Bass Pro Tour. They're cutting the top 50 next year. 
Um, 35 guys are going to end up getting cut because they're bringing five in from the invitational. So 35 BPT guys will be cut. And so prior to that happening, I was like, man, this is great. All I got to do is not be in the bottom eight, like basically a top 72 and I'm solid, you know, and, um, and I feel real confident, very confident that I could do that. And then suddenly things changed to where based on the rules, basically I have to make a top 10 in points after the 35 lifetime angler of the year, Bass Pro Tour guys. Um, so, so the top 35 angler of the year, you know, they get they're in. And I don't have a, a lifetime standing for the AOI since I'm a rookie. So basically I have to make a top 10. And uh, that's certainly doable. You know, it's, it's not out of the realm for me to make top 10 or maybe even top 10 in points overall. Um, but to say that I'm confident that it can happen, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm going from all my life. I fished your best five. You catch five big ones each day going from that to every fish counts. And so, gosh, I don't know. How's that going to play? You know, and this is another thing where I'm going to have to learn this on the fly. In the first tournament of the year will be my first tournament ever of every fish counts. How do I navigate it? What's the best route? Do I target two pounders and try to catch 20 of them? Or do I just fish how I normally fish, catch five or six fish, you know, and they're, and they're better fish. And so like a lot of those thoughts are going through my head, you know, and, I, and I've talked to some of the guys who fish Bass Pro Tour for years. Um, and so some of the old, old guys have been there since the very, very beginning. And most everyone said, just fish the way that you fish and you'll be just fine. Don't even worry about it. Um, so I think I'm going to start off, you know, fishing that way and, you know, adapt if I need to. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm nervous about it. I'm not nervous. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a little bit up in the air. It's, it's definitely, it's hard to say exactly, you know, what's yeah. going to happen, how I'll finish in the points and things like that. You know, so it uh, it definitely threw a wrench in my gears. You know, you spend is you, you know you spend years trying to qualify, and then you qualify, and then they're like, oh, nah, you know, one more time, you got to qualify again. Better get a yeah. top ten. Uh, you know, so I got to catch them next year. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess too for people that might be wondering, like that is a drop down, like in regards to like the top thirty five. If they're in the top ten, they're already good for twenty twenty five it'll drop down to say 11, 12, how so correct. Um, correct. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we'll see, I've been throwing the scenario around in my head. I've been going through numbers and there's so many variables. It's difficult to say where I should be, you know? And so, I mean, I would like to think, let's say I got a top 35 in points overall standings. I would like to think that that would be good enough to secure me to fish for 2025 but it's hard to say because if there's 10 guys that aren't in the top 35 AOI ahead of me, even though I get third, say I get 35th in points, I'm out. You know, those guys will beat me as long as they're not in the top 35 lifetime AOI standing. So there's a lot of variables going on. You know, it's hard. It's hard to say, you know, so I'm just going to shoot for hope I can get like a top 20 in points. You know, I think I'd feel really solid if I get 20th or something, you know, and don't make it then whatever but uh yeah that's just kind of my my roundabout goal and a, as i go through the year my goals change each yeah. tournament my goals change but before the year starts you know it's kind of what i'm hope 
hopefully shooting for somewhere something around there yeah it was yeah. definitely interesting at the start of the bpt when the, the split first happened and it was like every guy was on the same playing field in regards to learning the every numbers every number counts game um and it definitely seemed like some guys picked up on it really easy because they already were somebody that naturally fishes for numbers or um, yeah like a great example of somebody that i think took a while to adjust uh and was really driving with the new style just in time for it to switch back to five fish was like justin lucas and he talked about that like if you yeah. follow on his youtube channel like he says he's like i feel like i'm finally starting to feel this like you'll know, get with this format and it was like after the first season like the second season he was doing it uh and so there, there's like to your point it might be a, a long adjustment it might be something that you don't have to change anything up but that'll be right. interesting to see like what how the hell that goes for you i think you're going into it with the nice the right mindset of i'm just going to be me and not try to morph myself into something i'm not because i might just right. steer down a whole different path that might be hard to come back from right that's exactly right and a lot of times if you try to try to be something you're not you know maybe it works but if it doesn't the failure is is going to be terrible you know it's going to be something that you can't come back from and yeah. so i think if i just do do what i do and fish the way that i fish the cards will fall where they fall and hopefully i'll be you know where i need to be by the end of the year you know but hey I like, I like the schedule you know it's yeah. it's look it, it's looking good it, it fits it fits me well um so you know I think I'll even be able to sight fish at some of them. I'm cool with that, you know. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Catch them a little quicker. What's that? I'd say you just have to catch them a little quicker yeah. now. Right. All the gonna... added pressure of hearing what other people are doing. That would I don't know how we, how I personally would deal with something like that. Like, I was wondering like, can I can I silence my marshal? Can I say like <laughs> Just let me I need fit. I need 30 minutes to catch this eight pounder on a bed. Just don't tell me. And as soon as I get in the boat, you can unload on me what everyone else got. Because at that point, it doesn't matter, right? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a cell phone. You can just you know mute notifications. <laughs> mute. Yeah. Hey, if, if he doesn't, just you just just bring what I'm wearing right now. Just over the here, you know. That's uh, a good noise canceling. I headphones in. <laughs> you That's don't worry good. about. It. Yeah. I might do that. That would be a funny clip, actually. That would be that'd be a good TV right there. Uh, we have uh, some good advice from uh, Scott here in the comments, and he says, yes, "Just win." Yeah, I know. That's Super easy. Every win. event, win. Yeah, yeah. sweep it. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Well, I think you got a good outlook on it, and uh, I think regardless of top ten or not, you'll you'll be at that level regardless of how the year shakes out yeah i hope so you know i'm just uh it's you know it's hard to say it's i mean it's a new new season new format you know um you know it's not like going into a a new league that's still five fish limit you know so it's you know it's a little little scary but you know it's okay just do what i do and see what happens you know yeah, being scared is a good thing every now and then. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Or something like that. I heard some cliche lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reminds you that you're alive. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I can get down with that. Well, obviously, we're always rooting for you, buddy. Um, yeah. But this time of year, getting back to some uh, some shallow water, you know, winter or cold water fishing. What does uh, what does Florida fish like this time of year? Because obviously we. 
everybody when we talk about florida you know there's multiple spawns per year things like that where are you guys in the cycle right now um so they are pre-spawn right now but since we got this cold front they will be spawning very soon um our fish they'll spawn quickly so say we get a cold front and then two days later it's 80 degrees they'll be spawning in two days just like that and then if we get a cold front they're off the beds and then it's 80 degrees and then they're spawning again just like that and now, it's, it's crazy this time of year does the moon phase matter at all like because it's not even december yet or is it just cold snap water warms by five degrees and they go yeah yeah so i mean i don't i don't think the moon phase as far as florida goes i don't really think the moon phases affects them that much it's more water temperature um and and a warming trend and and all that that that, that they need in order to spawn um but uh they're not spawning now but they'd be spawning by saturday down here so. Yeah, it's gonna be- I vividly remember you. Um, we had a, a spawn show talking about that. How you're like anti moon. You're like screw yeah. the moon. You don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it I forgot. Okay, sorry. It, <laughs> I I don't know. It, it's just throughout my life, what I've seen in Florida. Florida's totally different than any other state where they spawn. This is we're like a whole nother animal. And as far as Florida goes. The moon just hasn't hasn't changed it a whole lot, and it and it it was it changed the spawn so little that I actually started not even looking at the moon. I was just paying attention to water temperature, and then next thing you know, I'd go up shallow and sight fish, and I'd see tons of big fish and catch thirty pounds, and then I would go home and look at the moon, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a there's like no moon hardly. You know, like there was no moon three days ago and I caught 30 pounds off the beds today. So then I started thinking, well, geez, you know, what is it? And as far as Florida goes, it just doesn't seem to affect them as much. Hmm. Uh, the moon does affect brim. Brim spawning, big, big deal. Bass, I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> to st- I'm still, you know, I'm still learning on that one. That, yeah. That's gonna. I think that's something we need to jot down on our ever- ongoing list andy for uh steve barden uh, yeah i mean keith you know steve barden the fisheries biologist over at major league fishing you know i I don't think i've actually talked to him oh we got to get you in touch man because i'm sure you would bombard him with some questions but uh how moon phase works like is it a per region when if it's more emphasized or something like that that could be a pretty cool question for steve Um, that's a great we get steve on a bunch we always bombarded with different questions that we have but that's pretty cool to think about though like if it works different here in the northeast than it does uh in florida because we have deeper clear water like can that be a factor type of deal i think that could be that'd be pretty interesting um that's a good point yeah go ahead i was just gonna say it's a good point it could have to do with water clarity like the moon you know clear water you know the moon would surely affect it you know and dirty water it still, you know, still provides light, but it's not as, you know, it, it's not going to penetrate as deeply. So maybe, maybe they don't notice it as much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So we, we were talking about a little bit at the beginning, like you were talking about how you would pave a path through the ice and then yeah. cast back down just to catch uh, some of these fish that were sitting under the ice. Um, this time of year, when, when it comes to a shallow bite, uh, I feel like there are some, uh, there's like a, almost like a mental block for people that get 
really cold temperatures this time of year that still have somewhat open water. They think that, you know, because they either still throw the same baits or they're still you know, fishing the same way um, that the fish aren't shallow anymore. You know, they move deeper and so, some certainly do, but in your opinion, do you fish stay shallow year round? And if so, how do you access those fish when the water temperatures get frigid? Oh man. I mean, they're certainly shallow year round. And if, you know, if you think that they're not, when the ice is frozen, they are, they're very shallow. And in that particular tournament that I was talking about, so I would cross a sandbar that was like maybe 10 inches deep. It was super, super shallow. And then it would drop off to like three feet or four feet. And the fish were absolutely piled in there in this tiny ditch. That's a few feet deep. And you think, I think to myself, why don't these fish just swim out to the channel 500 yards and there's plenty of water and they just don't, I don't, I don't know why exactly, you know, they like those little shallow ditches where it goes from one feet to two and a half, one to three, you know, one, one to two sometimes. Um, it's just, it, it really blows my mind to this day. I've caught tremendous amount of fish in very little water. And it's the same feeling every time I find fish where it goes from, you know, 10 inches to 18 inches and there's a pile of fish. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, it literally blows my mind, you know, because I think I'm looking for something that's not there and it's there. You know, I just have to look harder. And uh, all year round, they're there. Even under frozen ice, there's piles of fish up shallow. And you wow. can see them, too. Like, I, I, I would say. I don't know, maybe 70 to 80% of the fish that I catch shallow, like I visibly see them before I cast to them. So that's like, part are of Are you up on them or are you like a distance away to access them? Sometimes both, uh, usually a distance away, but some, sometimes I'm like, so, you know, I've had fish where I see them 10 feet in front of my trolling motor and I'll pitch in their face and they'll eat it and I'll catch them. And, and that, and sometimes they don't eat it. Um, but even when they're not spawning, I still like to visibly sight fish and you could still catch a lot of big fish that way visibly, you know, where you're, you're like stealth like, and that's part of why I really enjoy the aluminum boat. It's, it drafts shallow. It's more stealthy. You can really sneak up on the bass. And, and I mean, you know, this from, you know, fishing kayaks, you know, you can, you could sneak up on them better than I can. Um, but uh, it just, it, it just makes you feel like you have that edge. And then when you see one swimming, you know, you fire the perfect cast right in front of them and they eat it. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> that's, that's why I do this, you know, <laughs> dude, there's, there's something about that. Uh, I think it was you that I was talking about in the show, but there's so, there's something that's so much fun about like stalking shallow bass that you can see. Like, it's almost yeah. like you're hunting. Yeah. Like spot and stock. And it's, there's something so cool about that. Like when you start factoring in like angles of where the sun is shining down on you so that you're not casting a shadow and yeah. like, even to the point where you're trying to like hide behind docks and things like that. To, like, so they can't see you visibly above the way. Dude, something about that is so like primal and cool to me. Yeah, no, I'm with, that's exactly how I fish and it, it, it is. And it's like, you're, you're hunting and you're trying to catch the fish but you're also disguising the boat. You're, you're blending in with, like you say, a dock or a lay down or something. And that's like one of the big keys to catch shallow fishing is blending in and getting 
the fish to where they don't even know that your boat is there. And the better that you are at boat control, the more fish that you catch. And that's a hundred percent a fact, you know, it's, it, it, it more so comes down to being better at controlling my boat than actually how good am I at casting or presenting a bait and things like that. You know, if, if you're in a situation where it's like, say you're on the bank fishing and the fish doesn't know you're there, there's times that you don't even necessarily have to make a good cast. Like you just get the bait out there and they'll swim from 10, 20 feet and just book it right to the bait and eat it. And, you know, and, and when, when that happens, that's when, you know, you're doing your job at hiding your boat properly and stuff, you know, to get them to bite. And that, that is to me, that's like why I fish, you know, it's so, yeah. yeah. There's something so throwing about that. It's almost like when you like, you I mean, you've been throwing Nessie lately. It's, oh. Like when you can see them going behind you, like a little kid, like you're just giggling the whole time when you can see everything happening and like, oh, it's coming over to it. And you're like, there's, uh, there's something. Dude, yeah. the Nessie's the unreal. I started throwing that day three at Lake Lanier and they were just crushing it. They're, I mean, I couldn't believe it, you know, and I, I would throw it out there and I put it on a real light line. The lighter line, you put it on the better it swims and you know out there in deep water you know you don't need big line and um man i would throw it out there and i'd reel it as fast as i could possibly reel it and i would watch the sonar and they would come up from 20 feet 25 feet and just like a rocket and they'd hit that thing you know sometimes there'd be like 10 of them and uh yeah it was unreal and and i call you gotta be talking about spots spots spotted bass i'm like, (laughs) like yeah and I was like, man, this, that thing blew my mind. You know, how, how good they ate that thing. Well, on our trip at uh, Oneida, I mean, you could see the smallies would do the same thing to it. It was, it was super cool. Uh, the first day on that trip, I had the, the nine inch and Cole Breeden, and I was in the boat with him and he had the seven and it was crazy. We'd, I'd wake the nine, like you're talking about, like chopping it super fast and something would, uh, a small mouth would come up and blow five feet out of the water he'd pitch the seven in there and he would inhale the seven. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The drawing power at these, you know, bigger glide baits. And obviously in this case, you're talking about the Nessie that, that they have. Yeah. It's, well, so at Lake Lanier, I started off throwing and I'm thinking, how am I going to catch these spots? You know, they're like small mouth. They got a smaller mouth and stuff. And I thought, let's just see what happens in the tournament. I just start throwing it, you know, like, let's see. So I'm sending it out there. Nine inch Nessie. And I'm reeling it as fast as I can. First cast, I got like seven fish coming up for it. And I, and now I'm getting closer to the trolling motor. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm running out of space, you know. I get five feet from my trolling motor, and I just stop it. And it sits there. And there's all these fish around it, and they're looking at it. And the bait's not moving. And I'm not, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. They're five feet from it. Do I reel it? Switch it? And uh, they're moving closer to it as the bait's just sitting there. And when about three and a half, he goes up to it and he eats it and swallows it nose first. I didn't even move the bait. And he swims down. It's like a worm bite. It was like a throwing a general out there. And he eats it and he swims down. And I set the hook and I caught him. Three and a half pounder. That's <laughs> freaking like, awesome. And you saw it like with your eyes? I, well, I saw him on the sonar. And then I'm, so I'm watching him come up from 20 feet, 20, 15, 10. And, and I'm reeling the bait close to me. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, I'm running out of space. And I stopped it. And they just kept coming like yeah. a pack of dogs. Here's yep. dinner. 
And I was like, that's awesome. Like, this but, thing's freaking awesome. That's awesome. That's so real, cool. real quick, though, JP uh, Harl, Harrell. Sorry if I pronounced the last name wrong. He wants to know what what is light line when referring to fishing the Nessie. Okay, so light line, you can throw it on straight braid. And what I, I like to throw it on eight pound fire line. Six pound is also good. Six pound fire line is not six pound. Six pound fire line is like 20. It's really, really strong stuff. Um, eight's a little better. It can... It can just handle, you know, a little bit more damage and still maintain its strength. Uh, so, yeah, I throw eight a lot. And so, anyways, the eight is equal to, I don't know, you might know, Bailey. What's it equal to in diameter? Like two, two-pound fluorocarbon, you know. Oh, braid? So, yeah. it's Yeah, the eight fire line. Yeah. And so, basically, what happens is when you put a bait on something that's that thin and that pliable, it really allows the bait to swim freely. It gives it to, it gives it gives the bait its true action that it should have versus putting it on 20 pound fluorocarbon or something like that. And so you're going to get more bites than the guy who's throwing it on 20 pound fluorocarbon. And you're probably going to get more hookups too, because they're going to swallow it. They're not going to see the line, you know, that last second before they go to eat it. They're not going to say, Whoa, what was that line? Or, you know, the 20 pound fluoro, they're just going to eat it. And so it's down their throat. And, um, you know, using it on that light fire line makes a big difference. You can add a leader if you'd like. I usually just throw a straight braid. I like that. I like that full contact of the braid. Um, you know, it's good. So stuff. You're throwing eight pound straight braid on the nine inch Nessie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're nuts. That's, a, that's freaking crazy. That's, that's, that's super cool. Huh? Now, like, what's the rod in real? Like, because obviously you're throwing it on casting gear. So, like, what is your... Full setup no. now that we know what the eight pound test you're using is. If you throw it on a seven sixty spinning, you can just send it. You're you throwing that nine inch Nessie on a seven six spinning rod. Well, I ended up switching to the to the seven. It was a little bit. Uh, it, it made more sense, you know. But I <laughs> started, a little cumbersome throwing it on yeah. spinning rod. <laughs> when, when you throw it on the the big one, it's like a lob. It's like this really slow cast. It's like a, you got to be slow and like lob it out there. And, yeah, you're uh, like shark fishing with big cut bait. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what it sounds like. <laughs> it really is what it felt like. But man, the, I mean, the the water was so clear. I'm just like, what do I do? You know, I got to throw a light line. And uh, yeah, I mean, just just try it. You know, go. You know, if if you're someone listening, you know, take a bait, put it on twenty see how it swims put it on braid you know put it on 10 eight pound braid something see how it swims and and you'll notice a difference you know and then give each you know put it on 20 and fish for an hour and put it on eight or ten and fish for an hour and see how many bites you get and you know that's really how you learn and gain confidence and stuff that's super so, cool yeah okay, you gotta try, try that oh, sorry go ahead i just say i i try really crazy stuff all the time I see and, that. and if it works, it works. Yeah. And so, I mean, I fish for bass with six pound fire line in Florida, like bed fishing and stuff. I'll throw a straight six. And I mean, I'll catch eights and nines, six, seven, eight, nine pounders off beds all the time on straight braid. And that stuff is so strong. Like you can really pull them through anything. And you would think, oh, it's six. There's no way. But it's not. It's six is like. 15 or something i don't know it's it's incredibly strong yeah 
this club that I used to fish, there was a guy that literally was a wacky Sanko or Texas rig Sanko guy. And he always used like six pound and eight pound braids straight to the hook. And he would literally catch them. Just yeah. Because the guy throwing fluorocarbon. And it's the same deal as you're talking about like shadow lines. The guy was like a master with using shadows to his advantage and boat positioning and putting the bait where other people wouldn't based on shadows and he would just catch him yeah yeah and that that's exactly like that's that's part really the true key to fishing is understanding like you're talking about shadow lines you know that's where you'll have a guy who goes out say he's like hey i'm throwing a baby bass you know berkeley general and i caught say he caught 25 pounds today you know but he doesn't say oh you gotta you gotta fish the shadow line you know he's not giving that tidbit of information and then you know, people go throw it, you know, and they catch fish and, and stuff, but they're like, man, I'm not catching 25 pounds. You know, this guy's got a trick. You know, he knows exactly how to fish the thing. And that's the true key to fishing is finding that trick that works for you, for each individual angler. You know, we all have our own tricks and we all can, you know, fish them differently and stuff. But you find what works for you and that's when you'll start to unlock those doors that will send you into another, you know, area of fishing. Yeah. Uh, on the, the topic that we're talking about with this time of year being colder water, winter time, shallow, especially don't be afraid to throw these big baits still. Oh it yeah. It seem like, you know, it, you should you know, downsize lighter lines, slow down, but don't be afraid to do the complete polar opposite. Because yeah. It will pay off. Or you uh, can do both. You can throw a light line with a big bait on a spinning rod and be yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just have a time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, you know, one of the things I've I've learned a lot through fishing in my lifetime is I don't follow any stereotypes. You know, I don't I don't follow any of that, not even to the slightest, you know, maybe maybe a certain thing here or there. But if someone says it's winter and you got to throw small baits, that is not true at all. Like you do whatever you feel like doing and you'll, you'll learn yourself. You know, if you want to throw big baits and you go fish them all day in the middle of winter and you don't get a bite. Okay. You got a clue, you know, <laughs> maybe it's not right, <laughs> but you would be surprised at how, how many times I do exactly what you're not supposed to do. And I catch the crap out of them. You know, <laughs> I mean, all my life people have tell, I'll go to, I'll show up to a tournament, you know, and guys will be messing with me at the ramp. They're like, Oh, you ain't going to catch them shallow here. You better be deep. You know, next thing you know, I'm top five in a, you know, in a foot of water. And you're just like hanging in front of me like, yeah, <laughs> literally like my life story. Hey, you know, go north and people are like, ain't going to get them here. You know, no, man. I mean, like, I watch feel, me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I'll, if they're up there, I'll find them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing on, I guess, social media or anything like that. When the guys that are like, fishing bigger glide baits they do that crazy fast figure eight by the boat yeah for like mostly for musky right well so you can do it for musky it works for bass like that's a I so look that. look it up yeah. look it up too because yeah, nick did it a couple years ago on live yeah but exactly. his on mississippi he was he was walking the his mag draft back towards the back of the boat but like there's a legitimate technique to it where like you get them and it's the same thing as a musky figure eight, but they do like the long, you know, drawn out where it's like, this is like within a three foot radius and you're just like chopping it really fast. And yeah. it's crazy to see how like, it'll make them go berserk, especially when they're right at the boat like that. 
And I, I've seen clips of it, and I'm like, man, this those are like unpressured fish or whatever. And I've been throwing a glide a bunch around in New York. And man, I decided to try it one of the times. Dude, it works. And it works like often. It's the only hard part is getting them in the boat because they hit it and it's hard for them to fully get the hook. But I've had it happen in a tournament this year. I was throwing a glide and they have a bunch of followers. So I said, screw it. And I was just chopping it back and forth. Dude, a freaking uh, three and a half pound smallmouth comes up, eats it. And I, it's just in one motion, just swing it in the boat. And I'm like, that did not just happen. Wow. <laughs> Dude, it's, you got to try. So like in that situation, it made me think of it. Yeah. You said all, all the fish rose up after it, and they're just like staring at it. Yeah. Try it. Try it one of those times. Just go crazy figure Dude, eight. I want to go by, back to Lanier to learn more on that and stuff. But when you're doing the figure eight, your rod tip has to be in the water, right? You put it in to make more commotion. Or am I? I, I don't think I'm the best person to speculate on okay. that. I think there's probably times where it helps because it's extra like surface commotion or something. But yeah, uh, honestly, I just I just made I just took my rod and went freaking nuts in a figure eight with the glide bait and it, it worked. Wow. So I watched this YouTube guy it, and I can't think of his name as an Asian guy, bass fishes, and he all he throws is guide blades, docks, whatever, you know, structure. And when a fish follows, he puts his rod in the water, like a foot or so, and he's figure eight, like crazy, like splashing water. Like you think, there's no way, there's no way something's going to eat this. And he catches them all the time. And just like you said, like wow. the, he's got, you know, a foot of line out beyond the tip of his rod and the fish eats it and he sets the hook and just flips them in right away. And I'm like, my gosh, like. That sounds like a broken rod tip to me. Yeah. <laughs> like all that all the water pressure and then lifting them with only an inch of line out, like mm -hmm. oof, that's terrifying. Yeah, but Better. it's worth it, man. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. Give them that. Yeah, to yeah. to go from you see, it's it's a tip like that that can change your day to where you come in at the tournament and you're like, Man, I had 10 five pounders follow me to the boat versus I got 25 pounds. You know, yeah. all figure eight and I'm at the trolling motor. You know, that's the type of stuff that that just changes everything. I think if you told people that you caught 25 pounds figure eighting bass at the boat, they would probably put it on the trailer and not come back the next day. <laughs> <laughs> say, Screw you, Keith. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Everyone it yeah. certainly can happen, though. You know? Yeah. I'm that's never. Cool. I'm going to try it, though. Just Did for you, you guys. Yeah. yeah, just for us. When we get you back on the show coming up, uh, whenever we we get you back on here uh, later this winter and spring, uh, yeah, you better have done it already. Otherwise, we're not I, getting you back on. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm not in being in Florida. You know, I don't throw swim baits and stuff a ton. Although I hear guys really catch them on it, you know. But uh, maybe I'll go out to Toho and chuck the old Nessie out and see what I can call up. Hey, it's worth a shot, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, dude, we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping some stuff up here. Uh unless Andy's got something else for you. I got one last question, but uh Andy, you got something for Keith? Go ahead and hit him. You're good. So there there's there's been a question been asked of in different perspectives of like the greatest of all time, things like that. You know, who's the Mount Rushmore of of bass fishing? I'm curious from your standpoint, because you know, you're you're thrown in the the bucket of some of the best you know dirt shallow shallow water guys consistently year round from your perspective your point of view who is 
on the Mount Rushmore, say three or four guys that are like the all-time greats when it comes to specifically just shallow water fishing? Well, I mean, certainly John Cox, you know, <laughs> he really is as, as far as he's, he's really the best I've ever seen. And I really mean that. Yeah. I fish time and I've never seen anyone as good as John. He's, he's so, so good shallow. And I don't know how he does it to this day. I don't know. It's some kind of, he fishes with some kind of freedom and there's like, it's almost like no strings attached and no, almost as if he can't make a wrong decision, you know, and it's something like a decisional, a choice will pop in his head where he's like, man, you know, I gotta, I gotta move. I gotta do this. And he'll just make it freely with no pressure. And, and that has been inspiring to me to see that, um, you know, geez, I mean, let's see who else, as far as like true, true shallow water fishermen. Cause, and I mean, by shallow water to me, is like one to three and shallow water to a lot of people could be like 10 that's not shallow that's deep we're talking like dirt shallow like what's shallow yeah someone that i don't know super well i mean well let's see i mean probably greg hackney you know i don't know greg but he's from what i've seen he's really good shallow um let's see who else this is really good shallow that just fishes shallow. There's some guys who are good, but they're not strictly shallow. And then, uh, oh man, my mind just went blank. Who's the guy that, um, he's from Oklahoma through a spinner bait a ton, uh, Jason Christie. Yeah. He, he's pretty good. Yeah. He's a shallow water guy. He catches them. Yeah. He's, he's really good. Um, I'm surprised there wasn't like a, did, did you do top three or top five Bailey? Well, I mean, uh, Mount Rushmore is like a four. Yeah. But, I, yeah. Yeah, doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever you want to throw, you can throw some honorable men. Even if they're guys that are a hybrid, you know, if you think that they deserve some wreck for that, by all means, throw them out there. Yeah, Uh, I mean, Mark Rose is pretty good. I was his co-angler twice actually back when I fished co-angler. He's he's a good shallow water fisherman, but he's also he's known for offshore more. uh You know, he's as is from what I remember. Um, But he's he's actually pretty good too. Yeah, um, Anthony says you'll you... be disowned if you don't say Denny Brower. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean Denny. Denny's a little, a little before my time. Uh, you know, I've I fished one tournament against Denny. We we're on uh, the Ohio River, and I sat next to him in the lock. We we're locking up. Uh, I think we we're there in Paducah. It was, and uh, yeah, I mean he's Denny's. Denny's a great shallow water fisherman for sure. Biffle, Biffle is too. Um, who else? Who am I missing? Let's see. Uh, I I'd know. Say, yeah, I, I'd say like a, an ish you could throw up there. You could throw yeah. a poche up there. Uh, I feel like it was an unfair question saying the Mount Rushmore because that's like the best of all time. And that definitely right. takes some thinking through. But uh, I don't know. Andy, what do you think? Are we missing somebody that's like glaring? Shoot, like another guy that you might be able to throw up there that was a power fisherman shallow would be like a Rick Clun with the yeah. bills and spinner baits. Yeah. Good call. Like, Hank Parker, Hank Parker. Spinner bait. Roland Martin even was a really good shallow water guy. Yeah. I mean, you could throw all those guys in there because not too many guys are fishing offshore. That's yeah. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Like if you think about KVD's 
career started on the bank, probably too. Like old red Andy wine. Morgan. Andy oh, Morgan. Really How do we miss one. that one? Actually, that would be one of my Rushmore is Andy Morgan. Andy Morgan is is impressive, shallow. That guy, and he continues to fish the way he fishes on the Bass Pro Tour and does very well. Um, just doing what he does, kind of similar to John. You know, another guy thinks Ot Defoe. Ot fishes oh, really well. Yeah. yeah. There's There's another one, like a Todd Faircloth. Like, I remember when he was hot on the elites, like right. earlier on, it was all shallow. Like, yeah. yeah. Todd was hot on the elites. He was hot for a while there. And yeah, he would catch them all shallow. And I, I mean, I swear he got like top five in every tournament he fished. Yeah. It seemed frogging in a cutter worm was basically in like just a worm on a jig at well on a texas rig all yeah the time. just shallow worming yeah that's what i do yeah. i think <laughs> uh i think one too that uh outside of the mount you know the the rushmore conversation but a guy that i think is in that like your your bucket of guys that like to just get up fish shallow fish docks flip a jig all day um, if it wasn't for forward facing sonar that could mesh that him into because I'd put him in a hybrid now, uh, mm-hmm. especially after last year winning AOI. But Kyle Welcher, I'd say he's one yeah. too that is really good. Shallow, yeah, shallow, shallow. yeah, Kyle Welcher, he's he's a very good fisherman and he's really expanding and starting to learn and uh, you know, branching out one AOI this year on the elite. So really is yeah. uh, taking the level. Yeah, yeah, the lanes. Oh, duh. Yeah, I feel like there's a, that was an unfair okay. question for all of us. I mean, there's like so lane, like the lanes, right? Like they're great shallow, but they're also really good at flipping grass and like that mm-hmm. eight to twelve to fifteen foot range. So it's like they're good from shallow to intermediate. And then Chris Lane won a smallmouth tournament on St. Clair. So like <laughs> didn't he win on topwater? No, he won drop shotting in Lake Huron. He ran out to Huron when everyone else went to Erie and stayed in St. Clair. Dude, Huron place. I love Huron. I love Erie. I love St. Clair. But Huron is like, it's like you can find fish that have never been fished for uh, out there. You know, so, I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. I like Huron. I fished it quite a bit. Like Saginaw Bay. Love it. If you go to a boat ramp that is outside the vicinity of a major city on Lake Huron, you pull up to the ramp. And people are like, what What are those pole things on the back of your boat? I'm like, oh, they're power poles. And they're like, what are you fishing for? And I'm like, bass. And the response is the same every time. They say, bass? You fish for bass? And I'm like, yeah, bass, smallmouth. And they're like, you ain't fishing for walleye? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, this is exactly where I need to be. You know, <laughs> <laughs> These fish are going to be dumb. And it, it's like that. Um, uh, I mean, from Alpena to, uh, oh, what's that? Uh, Port, um, no, not Port Clinton. Um, out on the tip of the, out there past Saginaw Bay. I just forgot the name of it. Where the lighthouse is. It's like that. Like any boat ramp you go to, people are like, why are you fishing for bass? And the bass are just, they're huge. It's unreal. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I love the Great Lakes. I wish I could live up there, but it's frozen a few months out of the year, so. I think that's why it's so good, though. I mean, people talk about that all the time. The fact that yeah. they can freeze and get that cold is why it's so good. Yeah, um, and they're good. You know, they're not caught. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's so massive, you know. So there's 
there's still populations like i'd say you know obviously if you mix in a saint Clair, but you look at like a erie and lake ontario those certainly get the i think in my opinion the most pressure uh from a fishing standpoint and there's still populations of fish that have never seen a bait in their life yeah doubt. yeah yeah it's definitely sections though like i mean andy you see this firsthand like there's sections of you say erie that get pounded but like once you get out of that, there's definitely parts of that there's lake. Like, that... There's like little, little mini biodome areas on Erie that get throttled, <laughs> and as soon as you get outside of them and you find the smallmouth, they're like they'll come up and eat it on the drop, like twenty feet off the bottom. Yeah, these fish are so dumb. Like yeah. I love those ones, and they'll be in like in the places that you never expect them to be, like in the biodome that you normally fish. You're like oh gosh, there's one on that boulder one on that one but you know there's like six or seven but they're so tucked in as soon as they feel you you go out there and you throw a cast and you see one and all of a sudden there's like 40 and you're just like good gosh <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun <laughs> i've i'm still amazed at that how forward facing sonar shows everything and you see one fish and you cast to it and 40 appear and i mean instantly. and i'm like how where did they come from yeah. <laughs> a lot you know <laughs> they're good at hiding in the bottom and in the rocks or like yeah. sometimes it depends on the angle you're on they could be stacked right next to each other and the ping is just not reading them until your bait goes down and they're like ooh, and they right separate. yeah <laughs> that big that big bulb just became eight little bulbs oh boy we better leave <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's super cool well, Keith, man, uh, season's coming up here around the corner. It's basically December, so you got about another month, month and a half or so before you're probably getting ready to rock because you're fishing the Invitationals again, right? I'm going to fish the Bass Pro Tour and the MLF Invitational. So I'm going to do two tours next year, and the season kicks off on uh, Toledo Bend. It starts January 30th, and so, you know, I got actually about two months, maybe a little less. Well, yeah, two yeah. on the dot. Pretty much yeah. and uh and then i go from there straight to sam rayburn for the first mlf invitational uh so i'm still gonna fish a traditional five fish limit uh invitational type tournament and then i'm also gonna fish the bpt with uh, every fish count so you know we'll see how that goes get to compare uh, my finishes hopefully they're both up there but you know <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens yeah <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Any uh any off season plans from you know we're talking about it, you know, two months on the dot here. Anything coming up between then that the people should know about? It's probably you golfing. Know, yeah, I've been golfing. Uh, I'm starting to get my swing back a little <laughs> bit. I've been all pissed off because like so when I when I play, I can I can play pretty well and I can really strike the ball. And uh for like so, you know, we've been down I haven't been fishing much for a month now, just local stuff here and there. So I started golfing and I can't hit the ball and I'm like shooting 86, 85. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I went to the range the other day for like three hours. And I finally started to get it, start striping it. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. This is nice. feels good. Smoke <laughs> a ball out there. Who's yeah. the, uh, I don't even know if there's chatter about it, but who's the best golfer from a pro tournament fishing standpoint? Is there anybody that's like, the guy you got to beat on your day off when you get to go golf. I I really don't know, but just this year at iCast, I found out that there's actually an iCast golfing tournament. What? And I'm I didn't even know that either. 
I didn't either. Just this year, I, there's tons of people in it. So tournament sponsors and uh, I mean, a lot of people fit, uh, golfed in it. And so next year, I actually, instead of the ICAST fishing tournament, I'm going to do the ICAST golfing tournament. <laughs> of course. Love it. Oh, yeah. I'm a, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, gosh. That's funny. Then we'll know who's who's truly the good golfers of the fishing community. Yeah. There you go. Actually, I hear Bobby's pretty good. Yeah. I talked to him once like a year ago, and somehow we started talking about golfing. And he's like, I can play, Keith. He's like, now nah, I can really play. I'm like, well, let's play. You know, and we haven't gotten together, but he, he says he can, he says he can really hit it. So I want to find out. That's good. Yeah. Anthony right. guy says, I can see Mark Davis being the John Daly. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know. John Daly's pretty flexible. He's got a wild swing. He does a lot of cocaine too. So <laughs> the X factor, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Mark Davis will do that much coke. coke but... <laughs> That's funny. Coca Cola. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, buddy, uh, it was good to get you back on here and catch up with you. Uh, oh, talk yeah. some fishing and and coming up for you know your first uh, your your rookie season on the BPT, man. Obviously, we'll we're always rooting for you, and uh, uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing it here. Hopefully, in what's what's March? Four months? Three? Four months? Uh, either. You know, probably at Redcrest, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Be looking forward to that, you know, and uh classic and going to all the events and expos and stuff. And uh I'll uh yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out there and start catching them. Awesome. Heck yeah, buddy. Well, it's a pleasure as always, and uh we'll be talking to you real soon, bud. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. All right. Take care, Keith. Right. You too, see ya. It's crazy the correlation of anglers from a like a golfing standpoint. I feel like a lot of guys do. You hear about it on like the days off, and I'm sure Keith's going to be taking full advantage of that this year. Um, you hear about uh, some of the groups of you know, tour guys that get together and and golf together, and it sounds like that's like a thing on the day off. Uh, or guys will do tackle, and then they'll go out and yeah you know, play golf together in the afternoon or something like that. Um, but like even red wine is in the chat here said you get, should get into pickleball and uh we're trying to get uh justin largen and i the Justin Largen, one of the hosts of kayak fishing weekly we're trying to get cody milton uh who's one of i'd put him in the the top five of best kayak tournament anglers and he's leaving fishing even with his success rate from a tournament fishing standpoint to go play professional pickleball i didn't know that was a thing that's awesome. Apparently, it's like some fast-growing thing. Um, you look on YouTube too; it's they're popping up is, everywhere. Is pickleball a an Olympic sport? I that's a great question. I don't know uh, if Redwine's still in the chat. If he can let us know, it'd be it'd be cool. But I I, I have no idea. Um, but nonetheless, it's uh it's cool to kind of see that crossover. It's a competitive standpoint and um. Always good to get Keith on here. We always learn some some nuggets and get some uh, some goofiness out of Keith. That's why we love him. And hopefully, you guys uh, learned a few things here. Uh, we obviously wanted to talk a little bit more um, about some you know shallow water, cold water fishing this time of year. Uh, but there were definitely some good nuggets in there from Keith. Absolutely. Um, what about you, Andy? Like, so one of our inland lakes, say right now, because we're probably in the mid to low forty water temps as of right now. 
say on our inland lakes, what's your first move? Because one, I feel like you haven't been in the the lake, the inland lakes in a while. So it'd be obviously going in completely fresh. What would be your first move? Oh man, I would be looking for subtle breaks with rock, like rock to mud transitions where they could possibly slide up and down into wintering holes. And I honestly would probably just fish like I'd have two rods on my deck this time. Well, maybe three, probably like a lipless to like yo-yo it across the bottom or a blade bait type deal. Like we're talking four to like 12 foot or I would drag a jig like something low on the bottom. Ned rig will always get bit, but I like using casting gear a little bit mm. too much. So like a <laughs> football jig, like um, the open water or something like that by beast coast or a queen peanut jig or a real big mop one so when you pause it it just kind of flares out and sits so small and big yeah yeah i'd say if it wasn't one of the lakes that i have like waypoints for or something like that like deeper rock piles or whatever so i can go usually you can hit there and know that there's going to be fish um i'm going like what i've been doing the past month or so and it's uh i've been getting away from the bigger lakes hitting some of the smaller bodies of water we have here in central Western New York and just taking a jig and flipping every lay down that's on, that's on the lake. And it's honest, you can't go wrong with that. Just find the stuff that we, that yeah, retains. Anything that holds heat. Yeah. Any dock. remaining grass that might be left. Uh, something interesting that I've been noticing throughout this fall as we're getting dropping water temps as the leaves been falling. A lot of bass I've seen visually through my eyes are swimming in and out of leaf canopies like it almost makes a mat of leaves like back in a pocket and you'll see them swim under there and i've I caught a couple that i'm gonna have a video drop it tomorrow night where i flip into the mat of leaves and i catch them like essentially punching uh leaves flipping the trash baby that's just trash trash fishing i love it that's awesome pretty much i mean it, you get it's the same thing right i mean it's it's creating a canopy radiating heat out of it you know it's a blanket like you would with the cheese yeah. obviously not as well but uh, it was something kind of interesting, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it's a it's a difficult time of year for us in the north. If you're in the Midwest, you're probably done for the year. Um, R.I.P. We'll see you in you know May, June. <laughs> Sorry, fellas. Uh, but uh, for here, we we stay relatively open for now, as long as it doesn't stay 23 and blowing 45 miles Good an news, hour. It's going to be 50 degrees on Thursday. Oh my so, gosh! So the fish yeah. is going to suck. <laughs> so we're gonna have after i think tomorrow's gonna be like mid 30s and then we go on like a warm front like mid to upper 20s at night and then mid 40s to upper 40s every day for like the next week and a half mm. which yeah, that's as, as a steelhead guide i love this time of year when it does that because the water starts to warm up and it makes fish move and they really eat good especially after a hard freeze like we're going through right now. It's my favorite time of year because the pressure goes way down and the bike gets, the bike gets really good usually. So, so you're saying if you have openings, people should get in now. Yeah. They should have gotten in a couple weeks ago because I'm basically booked till Christmas. So, I'm hoping to get out a couple more times before I have to basically just say, Hey, no more, at least until uh, trying to go to, florida yeah this winter at some point but it's a shame uh, i've been almost too busy that i can't even get over to my boat to pull the rest of my gear out and my batteries for the winter i just haven't had a chance to get over there to my buddy's house in the barn 
Maybe so he's I, good though. I need to do that soon. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, uh, hopefully people have been out fishing. Tag us in your pictures and stuff okay. on social media if you guys we'll are catching them. If you're out, feel free to tease and talk crap to us because <laughs> we're not out as, as often, especially this time of year when the weather's nuts. Um, red wine, fill your pain, buddy. He says he miss he misses smallmouth. I, sm- I miss smallmouth too. Hey, hope you're on the Great Wine Erie one more time. So you can come up to Buffalo if you have a boat still. Like when we get some warm, calm weather, the bite's popping off. Yeah, come pick me up. Yeah. (laughs) Come kidnap me, Red Wine. Uh, Nonetheless, folks, uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, Thanks for tuning in in again to another show uh, back from the the holiday break. Um, Coming up on Friday's episode, we're having Emil Wagner on the show. Uh, That's going to be a great episode. Uh, hope to learn a bunch from him. Uh, and like we mentioned at the beginning, mark your calendars for December 20th because we're going to do a uh, our Christmas special. We'll have a uh, quote-unquote not-so-serious show and have a bunch of fun for a few hours, have some drinks, uh, ring in the holidays. But uh, nonetheless, between then, we have some great shows coming up to learn a bunch uh, from some anglers. And I think, you know, being that it's the 28th right now, we have two days left in November. Uh, it's almost time to really start talking about what 2024 is going to look like for serious angler. And there's going to be some changes, but it's going to be changes for the better. Um, and we're going to trial some of those things coming up here, here soon, but uh, just know that the, there might be some where the live streams are always going to stay the same on Tuesday nights. Um, but uh, as we at solidify those changes, we'll, uh, you know, we'll echo those out to you guys. So you know, what's coming, but uh all we can say is it's going to get better. And I appreciate you guys as are always coming in here show after show. Same names are, are much appreciated. You guys are part of the Sirius Angler family. So appreciate you uh, very it's much. It's cool and, starting to see some new names in the chat, like on a yeah. weekly basis too, which is really cool. So, yeah, keep on coming. We're hoping to 2024 increase the amount of stuff that we can give back to you guys, whether giveaways and things like that or discounts that you can take advantage of. Um, hopefully take advantage of some of the Black Friday deals that we had with some of our show partners. And um, just know that if you still want to save, we still got discount codes to the majority of them as well. And they're in the show notes if you want to take advantage of those. Uh, but nonetheless, if you're if you're listening to this, please give it a rating and review. Help us out big time, especially on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, and if you are watching, of course, like and subscribe to uh, the Sears Angler Network YouTube channel. Um, but beyond that, and you got anything else for the folks? No, just be uh, ready for a Lure Lab episode on Saturday morning because last week I forgot what day it was and didn't get one done. So, yeah. (laughs) For human, it happens. I was like, oh, shoot, it's Friday night at 11 o'clock and I have a guide trip. There's no way I'm recording one now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, all the links to the Sears Angler Network shows are down below. If you're a kayak angler and you haven't checked out our new show kayak fishing weekly encourage you to do so um we had on christine fisher this past week and we're getting on russ snyder's this week so starting out pretty heavy with uh our guest list and uh justin's been doing a great job over there new uh member of the serious angler crew uh implemented some uh some unique segments to that as well um so it's a uh, good things coming uh and good things going for the serious angler network but uh, appreciate y'all Have a great night, and we'll see you on Friday.
Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.